0: Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive, our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. We love it when you join us each week as we work together to raise our education level on building, marketing, and running our float centers. As always, you can find us at Art of the Float on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and on artofthefloat.com to find notes, pictures from every episode, all that good stuff. I am your again, I always want to say co-host. I am your host this evening. Amy is still taking a break from the show. She's working on opening Float Alchemy. Uh, I, I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel. If you follow her social media, uh, it looks like the tanks are, are getting active. They're, they're coming live. And uh, despite some some issues that I'm going to do my best not to talk about so she can share it all, um, it looks like Float Alchemy will, will live uh, despite some incredible hurdles. And I mean, we've learned so many times over and over again how many hurdles happen during construction and and leading up to opening, how much it can be delayed, but I've never seen anything like this before. This is incredible. So my heart goes out to her for one more week, and uh, we can't wait to have her back on. Brian is also in the background here, producer Brian, and so excited to, in just a few minutes here, bring on Graham and Ashcon from, gosh, I don't even know what to say. Is it Float Tank Solutions, Float On, Float Conference, Float Solutions Podcast, And a couple other dozen minor projects and major projects as well. We'll see if we can figure out what those are as well. Uh, Let's hear a few thanks. uh, Float Haven of Health Spa, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. And uh, check your inbox for some photos you can use for your float center. And, oh gosh, I don't know how to keep it fresh this week. Um, Maybe we... Hey, Graham and Ashcon, do you know anything about the float conference? I think it's in August...
1: Yeah, I think we uh, I think we might know a thing or two about that. Never okay. heard of it.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, that's perfect. Ashcon, if you know something, can you tell Graham about what the float conference is? Yeah. Hey, just pretend
1: like you're yeah. talking to me and there's not even an so, audience out there. So, Graham, for the last <laughs> seven years, uh, we've been putting on this huge event here <laughs> in Portland <laughs> where every year the uh, whole float world comes out. We just force them to come to Portland so we mm-hmm. don't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much have a, a giant... Party is usually how I like to describe it. And, Graham, uh, do you like
0: parties? I love parties.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay. And this is all sounding kind of familiar now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You probably blacked it out for the last couple of times. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, it's really fun. There's some PowerPoints as well as, as partying. It's not just all partying, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's the Float Conference. You can go over there. There's, there's all sorts of fun speakers Dylan himself has been a speaker in the past. We little float conference vet speaker here today with Mm us. And I guess I should say the website is floatconference.com. And what days is that? uh... That's another good thing I should say. (laughs) You're you're good at this. Um, (laughs) August 18th and 19th, 2018 here in Portland, Oregon. And that's
0: floathelm.com. Oh wait, no different app. Okay, great. great. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks. Yes. Uh, Go to floatconference.com and, Check it out gosh i try I've tried to explain it to you guys in the past, but i don't understand I don't think you guys understand how hard it is on me uh the float conference being in Portland every year it's really exhausting. <laughs> people show up before the float conference they stay afterwards yeah i I grab lunch several times with people in the industry it's It is exhausting, so
2: what a rough life <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i I just want you to know you're having a major impact on my life as well. <laughs> Uh yeah my yeah just to meet everybody in the industry and make life ta- lifetime friends in the industry is just the flow conference is where it happens at least yeah. that's been my ex- my experience. <laughs> yeah <I've> agreed yeah <laughs> <laughs> we don't like being self
2: promotional, so this is a hard spot for us we're pretty much sticking to the facts yeah it is an event it does happen in Portland you should come it's yeah be you fun. should just
1: come you know, just just come check it out
0: love it. Before we introduce Graham and Ashcon to the show, I want to give a uh, little shout out to Escape Pod. My friend Jeremy, uh, who is, makes the Escape Pod float tanks, the Earth and the Aphelion, um, are just these absolutely awesome, funky float tanks that are at a great starting price, about $9,000, and um, to get a good feel, I highly recommend checking out the video that he made I think I just need to post it in Float Collective. I don't think it's shown up there. It's way too funny and awesome and weird to not be seen by everybody. So um, I'm just going to throw that into the Float Collective here um, just because Jeremy is that awesome um, with what he's doing. So uh, go to escapepodtank.com to check out all of his different styles of float tanks and get in a relationship with a float tank manufacturer who really takes care of the people uh, who are um, buying his float tanks. All right, Graham and Ashkan, welcome. How are you doing?
1: Good, great. (laughs) yeah, yeah
0: thanks for having us yeah. <laughs> nice uh where are you flying in from
1: <laughs> uh just here in uh, sunny portland oregon oh um, nice excellent off this morning and landed back after a few minutes <laughs> cool.
0: well done well done just just checking out the the sunrise from yeah. a few thousand feet up nice yeah excellent but let's see here i think we should really get to the important stuff first graham how's the rock climbing going
2: terrible although i so i'm going in i just got a uh, a month past to, to kind of kick it off again and i'm uh, starting that up tomorrow with uh, with my friend with um quinn another of the the float on oh, founders excellent. and i are actually gonna try to set a schedule so that schedule starts tomorrow which i guess is when schedules always start yes so, that's right uh we'll, we'll <laughs> my diet starts monday uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but 9 a.m night we have a we have a time so it's going well it's did going you
0: well. say a.m yeah i did oh okay wow you're really setting the bar high. Okay, good good luck with that. Uh, did you get a Did you get a deal on on your uh, Did you get like a Groupon or anything for it?
2: Yeah, I got a little discount on the first month, but I'm, I'm hoping to reel that into some float trade, which is kind of what nice. I do whenever I join something. like I figure you should like always pay for the first month or two, and then as you're there, you make friends and and Love hopefully it. you know get get a little trade going after that.
0: Excellent, welcome. And it is bouldering, or is it rock climbing?
2: Bouldering, yes, yeah, is, is uh, what I personally am kind of into. Ah, me
0: too. So welcome to the fold. It's a good, it's a good place to be. And uh, I hope we can we can climb together in the future.
2: Absolutely. And your uh, with your daughter too. It looks like she had some pretty uh little expert wall that she got there.
0: Oh yeah, for. <laughs> Yeah, for her first birthday, uh, I made her a little <laughs> rock climbing wall, and I've been uh, trying to figure out what entices her to want to get up to the top since since then. And uh, it um, is ever-evolving, is what I've learned. It's very difficult to stick with something that's actually going to motivate her. So, And she doesn't like help. That's something else that uh, we have found is within her, mm-hmm. is like, don't touch the feet. You can give me some instruction, but don't don't touch me when I'm on the wall. So <laughs> it's uh, it's fun, and uh, when I take her to the gym, it's mostly just running around and throwing her onto the soft floor. So uh, there's I That's what I do at the gym too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I really... we should definitely <laughs> climb together. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah, forget float beers. Let's let's do a float climb where we just all run around. That sounds great. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, I felt I was leading up to um, meeting tonight, or actually just earlier today I was thinking, like, gosh, when we get together for beers in Portland, all the float centers get together. And it has just become this giant round table of float center owners. There's just so many in Portland now. Uh, and it's lost a lot of its intimacy of just like a couple people running float centers and sharing salty stories. So I poured myself a beer and thought maybe we could uh, just... This is this is my way to at least with you guys still have that experience here and yeah, just have a nice chill chat about the the float life, you know, because um, <laughs> it's just hard to catch up with everybody. It's it's know, awesome. It's gotten,
1: it's gotten pretty big. We have we have some new people too who uh, weren't even quite around when we when we did our last one.
0: Who are the new people? Oh boy, uh, uh,
1: Aqua down in. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. just like what, I guess Happy Valley technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we've, we've oh, cool. filled them in. Yeah. They'll be they'll be coming to hang out in the next one. Awesome! Oh my God, we're gonna need to rent a hall. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> now Yeah,
2: more like a mini conference or something. Yeah,
1: seriously.
0: The, wait, the Portland Float. Con- mm, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, let's see here. Oh, um, I was listening to Float Solutions. How did that? How did Float Solutions come about? What was the
1: uh, you're talking about our our podcast. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, Daily Solutions podcast. Da- oh, I'm sorry. That's right. So we sing the song every single
2: day, so we really <laughs> it's
1: ingrained pretty deeply in there for us. That's now.
0: where most of the work goes in, right?
1: Like it is about ninety percent of it. Yeah, and then we just kind of phone in the advice, <laughs> that no one actually fact checked us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great. Like I, that is literally what I started thinking after a while. I was like, I.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, we should talk about the intros really more than the content, but they, you're, you're right to go that direction. They they have gotten more elaborate. I think right. we've gotten maybe like two into them. We're now like bringing in instruments and like yeah. <laughs> writing out scripts and it's gotten, it's yeah, gotten a little still, serious.
0: It seems like there's actually some production involved in these. These are not just <laughs> hit yeah, record.
2: usually take between about like
1: 10 minutes to an hour per, per intro to record, oh, depending on um, how committed we are. <laughs> yeah. Some of them we can do in like... One take, and they take, like, one minute to make. And uh, Oh, those are awesome. And then sometimes we get just, like, way too deep.
0: But that's with a week in preparation, right, for that one minute of execution? No, sometimes <laughs> we just,
1: like, f- we're just freewheeling, you know? Nice. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's the nice thing about putting it out every day, is the quality really doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's an extremely, like, if it's bad, people are just like, oh, I'll just oh, wait until tomorrow. Funny. It's very, It's very forgivable.
0: So go- getting to a little bit more of a serious topic, actually, like, jumping... Head first into a very serious topic. The FTA is a super hot topic at the moment. I don't know if you guys have been in Float Collective much, but uh, just talking about the value of the FTA, what the FTA is doing behind the scenes, their communication. Um, I feel like every float conference, it comes up uh, in, in some way or another, and it, it gets people pretty riled up. And I for the most part, I mean, I think we need a body like the FTA. I think, I think there's a a ton of value with having this. Um, but I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts, if I could pick your brains on the FTA. I know that you've been board members in the past. I don't know if you currently are or what the story is there, but I'm just curious what your guys' perspective is. And I know that's a a big question, uh, but just any insights you guys have on this topic.
1: And and Dale, maybe if, just in case this is someone's first episode they're listening to, what does the FTA stand for? Uh, <laughs> who,
2: who is this body organization?
0: Yeah, uh, just to give people
2: some context.
0: Sure, the Float Tank Association uh, is not not a governing body. Um, I don't even know why I said that. Actually, Graham and Ashconford could probably tell better than I could. <laughs> is that true? Um, <laughs> or should I? Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, know.
1: here's the brief history. I guess it's the Flotation Tank Association. It started in Excuse me. Thank you. Yeah. I, it must be what, the early eighties? Yeah, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, so this is the organization that was around kind of in that first wave of, of floating back in the day. And and then kind of with the first wave of floating kind of, you know, went into hiatus like the rest mm. of the float industry for, for many, many years.
2: Yeah, so it had had Glenn and Lee on the board, had John Lilly on the board and, and Tony, his wife back in the day, so you know, it was really kind of that the, the founders of Floating were, were also the founders of the FTA and mm-hmm. had its, uh, its kind of complementary organization, IRIS, which was
1: in charge mm-hmm. of the, the kind of research portion as well. Yeah, which, is, uh, which stands for the, in the, the uh, International Rest Investigator Society, which is an acronym with an acronym inside of it. Which, <laughs> of us, which is uh, pretty amazing. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I guess like starting in two thousand. 2011, yeah. 2011, 2011, it uh, um, kind of popped back up. I mean, it was mm-hmm. at when Mark Frickle was putting on those kind of float summits for a couple years, way back in the day, like 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. Yeah, uh,
2: pre-float conference.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of one of those meetings in San Francisco, um, there was, you know, kind of a discussion about perhaps bringing uh, the kind of industry association back into existence. And so that was really the origins of it, of it kind of popping back up to to be back to being, I guess, like an actual active, uh, you know, non organization. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I guess I don't mean to, like, totally put you on the spot, and we can simply talk about it, but I feel like um, I have confusion about what it is they're doing. I had Shoshana on recently, and it was very enlightening, of like, the things going on behind the scenes that uh, they're doing to help the, the float community and, and push it forward, and helping with um, uh, Rich Martin, can't think of, uh, with NSF. NSF. Yeah. Um, do you think there are spaces for improvement with the FTA? Like I mean, I guess be?
1: like, well, I mean, yeah, we've been we've been involved and in, and with the organization and stuff, and I this gets said a lot. And we should but, say
2: too that we're we're not currently involved, so yeah, you know, anything we say currently. about like current operations
1: is, is very oh, specific, sure you sure. Know? sure. Okay. So yeah, we've been out of the loop I think for probably like six months or so now. Um, but you know, it's my. My kind of feeling the, the entire time is just that uh, there's a lot of big questions in this industry. You know, we, we're facing these, these huge kind of things that we all want data on. We want to know about, mm. like, sanitation data. We want, like, to be able to fight or work with health departments as they do good or bad in, in creating <laughs> right. these things. And there's, you know, God, there's probably, like, two, three hundred health departments, if not more, across the United States. Uh, and there's all sorts of interesting things to do in terms of funding research and stuff like that and these are these are really, really big projects and uh, we're not the hugest industry in the world, you know and like it's really easy to look at other industries that have you know uh, that are making billions and billions and billions of dollars between them collectively as an industry and and uh we're not we're just not there yet, and so I think we're kind of my personal take on it is we're in this place where it's we're starting to feel like a need for that sort of stuff to have someone to, you know, work with health departments on, on people's behalf or or help you know deal with industry wide issues that come up. But just a really hard it's just a really hard position to be in as an industry right now. It's it's hard to get people to really have enough time to do mm-hmm. it. You know, everyone who who I know who's been on the board of the FTA. Are all these people who we consider to be these big people in the float industry, and that mm-hmm. means that they have very busy businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have to run those businesses, us included. Like it was hard for us to even like have a ton of time to to contribute when we were on there, because at the end of the day, like we're all kind of running small businesses, and and we, our priority has to be to those totally. more than more than to anything else. So I think that's just that's just a tough reality. There's kind of this like catch 22 almost right. uh, if we want this like huge industry association to exist but it needs like the funding which needs to come from an industry that doesn't have like the exactly like the bandwidth and you know i i don't know exactly where uh you know the tipping of the balance will right will come from but it's it's not an easy position to be in and and i can definitely see like the value of it and you know uh i i'm sure like that will just become a stronger thing as time goes on.
2: Yeah. I mean, we see it with so many projects, even that we run. Like, it's hard to find time in our (laughs) own lives for the projects that we've created. Um, And not only that, but doing anything by by committee is both, like, for an industry, it's a very admirable endeavor to Mm -hmm. try and make separate industry voices heard and to uh, come together on the important things. But as anyone will uh, tell you, and I'm I'm sure, as you know, you know, the more voices you have in something, the longer it takes like decision by committee is not a a, a swift process. Uh, so just kind of those things combined, it's, it's a bunch of work for really busy people and the process is inherently, uh, slow and takes a lot of time, which both of those kind of work at odds. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, like, I, I think it's almost as, as much a, uh, just kind of reality of the industry we're in as it Mm -hmm. is anything to do with, with an organization.
0: Do you think there's one thing that they could do? Is it hiring an employee i mean what do you think could help propel this from being caught in this catch 22 to raising funds to have somebody who's more dedicated to it um what do you is there a magic bullet (laughs) or or where should the attention be to to start spinning up the, the spools
2: yeah totally um you know, it's one of my, my favorite business people once said, "There's uh, unfortunately no magic bullets. there's just a lot of lead ones. <laughs> nice. uh, but, um, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that hiring someone is great. Um, it's just getting the funds to actually make that tenable. you know mm-hmm. like for for a serious nonprofit manager in my mind, it would probably be somewhere between 55 to 75 K a year, you know working, yeah. and ideally, they'd have a couple of assistants too, mm-hmm. and it just um, like that's, that's a, a tall order, and no one's going to take on that job on the basis that it's going to make that money in the future, right? Like Mm -hmm. you kind of need to have at least some nest egg to, uh, encourage confidence in the person you're hiring on. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously like having someone whose actual job it was to do all of these things that are so time consuming and, and to do them on a schedule where it feels like things are cranking along. I mean, in any comparison to other nonprofits and other industries, that's really what is going on, right? They have, they have whole teams whose full-time job it is to do nothing but work on the nonprofit. It's less
1: of a, a volunteer effort. Right. Um yeah. Yeah. And then like the people who are on the board are there because they have good ideas and they want to like share those ideas and then have someone else actually go like do them. Oh and funny, connections right. <laughs> and good connections. <laughs> That's totally why you hire people for a board, right? Is they just like have yeah, all of good these. Good ideas and had. good connections. And so I think it's just a nice. tough position to be in. We're like, hey, we should we should do this thing. Oh, also like maybe I can find like twenty hours a week to set aside to like do it. You know, it just everything takes a lot of time. Like yeah. a lot more time than anyone expects it to take everything and, yeah yeah right and like at the end result you look at something and you don't think about all the like emails that went out and you know the spreadsheets that were made and just everything that goes into like having anything exist in the world
0: um thank you guys and thanks for your candor on that um i want to talk about uh, Ashkan. you've been on before talking about water sanitation and it seems like every time I talk to you guys, you're either speaking at a conference, or you're visiting a conference, or you're visiting and going to speak at a at a sanitation, water sanitation conference. It seems like you guys put an incredible amount of attention on understanding water chemistry and educating uh, the people who will be, you know, potentially putting laws down for us or regulating us. Um, I guess I, I'm. I kind of just want to just like open the door to have you talk about that kind of the behind the scenes (laughs) process of just every, everything with that. I mean, I have some specific things I'm curious about, but I'm just curious to open the gates to you talking about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that just kind of gathered momentum over time. Like we ended up going to this, uh, something called the world aquatic health conference Mm -hmm. like five years ago, I think something like that and having really no idea what it was and just hearing that there was like some discussion about float tanks potentially happening. Mm-hmm. And we just flew, I was like in Paris and I was like, I'll be there in a week. Like, we, wow. panicked, we panicked. And <laughs> 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 um, so, so, you know, it just sounded like something we wanted to like see what was, was happening in. This was like, you know, the beginnings of any of these health departments really even talking about float tanks. And uh, I mean, we just learned a ton from being there. So uh, half of the reason we go to these conferences is because we've, it's a, just an amazing way to like learning a bunch of information about this sanitation stuff, um, but we kind of mm-hmm. got caught in a, a little bit of a, like, loop, I think. Like, we went to these conferences, and we met all these health department people, then all of a sudden, when they had other events and other conferences, they would contact us to be the one, because we were, like, the float tank people they knew. Right. Specifically, like, we went to this one called Niha, which is the uh, National Environmental Health Association. Uh, they have a conference. That's kind of, like, the, I guess, really, like, the industry association for health regulators, in oh the wow! States. Okay, wow. Um, so we, we yeah we like got invited there and we went to give a talk there and uh, that spurred a little like like tour of all of the local like chapters of that <laughs> across the country. <laughs> yeah, we got on,
2: we got on an EHA talking circuit. After that, so we <laughs> got these different health departments who put on their own state version of it. Uh, You know, ended up having to fill up slots for there and and there's float Mm -hmm. tanks opening and they're just like, oh, my God, we need to educate our, our, you know, supervisors about this. And yeah, uh, yeah. So kind of just started getting invited out to to those ones as well, which have amazing names, too, which is probably (laughs) the most delightful part about them. So there's there's Miha, which is like the Massachusetts or uh, uh,
1: kind of state one. There's Weha, which is (laughs) delightful. Yeah, that's Wyoming. Uh, we went to we went to Siha which is California <laughs> we went to Najiha, which is New Jersey <laughs> um, Starting so yeah, to pick up on a theme here Yeah exactly it's been it's been kind of like a year of ihas for us <laughs> uh, But it, you know I I should say too it's really uh so we go to these conferences because they these people these health department inspectors and the people who run health departments want to know about float tanks you know, like we're we're in the spot where like float tank centers are starting to open, and all these different jurisdictions and the health departments mm-hmm. are like, oh boy, like we don't know what these are or like how to deal with them. Like we have so many questions, and so it's it's really been spawned by kind of the growth of the industry. The fact that hmm. all these float centers are opening is leading to the fact that these health departments are wanting to even invite a couple dudes like us to to come out and give a talk at their thing. Yeah. So so we very much go and just try to share information so we you know we start by just explaining float tanks and and the basics of of what they are and how they work so that they you know because most of these people have never set foot in a float center and Mm -hmm. and like very rarely ask at the beginning how many people have actually like floated and maybe like one person raises their hand each time um so we start there and then we talk about uh we talk about the benefits for a little bit because we want people to know that you know why these things should exist i think it's easy to forget that Mm. when you start talking about regulations and sanitation that You're doing all this for the purpose of people being helped from these float tanks. So we like to kind of put that information out there. Like, here's why people float. Here's the benefits. Here's the science and the research that's coming out. Like, this is why it's important that you work to allow these places to exist.
2: And it's kind of nice. We have about, like, uh, we kind of tailor it anywhere between about 40 minutes and an hour and a half. Like, an hour and a half talk is is awesome. And either way, we sort of try to fit in all of that intro part. And then, uh, like, almost as quickly as possible. And get to a lot of the meat, which is basically like we, we talk about how much float tanks are different than swimming pools and spas. And we talk mm. about what a low risk activity it is and why it's low risk and how the risks are, are different. And, and how in some cases it is actually higher risk than swimming pools and spas. Um, for example, just the slipperiness of the water, right? The amount of mm. slip proofing that you have to do in a float center is so much more. Like if you try to use the kind of slip proofing that you would in a pool in a float center, you're in for a world of, of hurt, right? It's oh, not boy. that first step is a doozy. Uh, so we go over that too, uh, but mainly it's about hey, you don't have kids in there, um, people aren't even wearing, um, you know, their their shorts or anything like that in there. Everyone is showering before and after they float. Uh, there's just so many areas like you're not ingesting the water is a huge one that really resounds with the health department. Oh, interesting. Uh, hmm. Just because so many things like cryptosporidium, uh, giardia, different things that you're worried about, you're worried about fundamentally uh, because of the the pathway of ingestion, and as soon as you're not swallowing water and that's really not a concern because if you tried to it would be the, the worst experience <laughs> of your life then uh, yeah I think they really they realize that the risk profile of float tanks is is a lot lower and, and fortunately hmm. they, they tend to be really
1: receptive to what we say which is, which is really cool. Yeah that's, that's really been the amazing part. We've gotten just Really, like every single time, we get people coming up to us saying, "Hey, this is really great. Like, I learned a lot about this. You guys are right. Like, this doesn't really seem like it fits into to the pool code. You know, like it, people seem nice. to be, they seem to be listening. Now, and and part of it is it, because it, they invited us because they don't know anything about this. So they're, well, they're is happy it a self selecting
0: crowd then? Because so like I'm curious. Like overall within the industry, is it like a lot of indifference? People who maybe don't want float tanks in existence. Period. And then these people who are curious and want to learn, and those are the people who are showing up to the conference for your guys' speech. What are your? Do you have any gauge on that?
1: Um, I you know I get the sense that uh, I mean these are like the annual conferences for like, the state's health departments. You know what I mean. So these are like mm-hmm. this is like the event they go to each year as part of their okay. job sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. so some there definitely it's not like every health inspector comes to these things. So if if anything, there's a filter on people who. I think are just kind of phoning it in at their job mm. and people who like are really interested in environmental health and, and want to like continue to get this education. And then there's also like people okay. actually have to come to these to get these like continuing education credits that are a part Got of their job sometimes. Um, so, th- so there's that part of it, but you know, sometimes with these smaller events, we're speaking to the entire event. There's just one track. We're talking to everyone. Okay. Um, okay, so cool. I, I really get the sense that people are, are not just coming because they're the ones that, are kind of interested awesome. in float tanks in the first place. Um, That's so exciting, and you know, cool. I I will say more um, than anything, yeah, more than anything, like I've most health department people are super nice, and like I think where a lot of the trouble hits in in uh, float centers and health departments in their areas often just has to do with lack of information, often on both sides, you know, like the float centers mm. maybe don't know everything about how to explain, like, you know, UV or what's going on with the float tanks or why they're lower risk. Like, they don't have exactly the tool belt to know how to kind of, like, talk health department and the health departments, you know, without that information <laughs> Definitely provided we don't to don't have the tool
2: belt to talk float tanks. <laughs> yeah, they don't know anything about float <laughs> <Right>. tanks.
1: And <laughs> right. so, like, I've found that just filling in that gap hmm. seems to help a lot. And we get a lot, of, we get a lot of feedback when we go to these things that we seem to really, like, understand their world and their concerns. Like, we've been to enough of these now, we've talked to enough health department people that we can kind of, like, frame this in their language and that seems to help tremendously like, nice. people come back to us and they're like okay like you guys seem like you actually know what's going on here and so what you're saying totally. is sounds like reasonable to us instead of it sounding like we're just trying to you know fight regulations or or skirt by without without the man holding us down or you know that sort mm-hmm. of stuff
0: i love it that's great have you seen any of that seating actually grow like blossom and and uh, for somebody's float center like have oh yeah, been able to see yeah, that yeah, cycle yeah. oh that's so cool God, yeah, that's
2: awesome. even as of like a, a few years ago when we were even doing world aquatic health conference stuff like we'd we'd have float centers who opened up in a certain area and one of the people had seen our talks and as such was just a lot friendlier towards it or um kind of even even down to entire policies the county or states uh sort of develop i feel like has been influenced by some of these so it's been a it's been a slow process but but certainly again education goes a really far way like people are are often in the world of health departments because they want to be public servants Mm -hmm. and they're there to protect people's health. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you you start sharing that knowledge and explaining it, I think it it fits right in line with their their basic goal. You know, they don't want to stop small business or cool recreational water activities from forming. So yeah,
1: it's been been a great response. Yeah, we've actually had like more of an impact than... I even think we should have. Like, it's, <laughs> it's to the point where like, uh, like health departments just like will, like I've straight up just seen them adopt things that we say and like write oh, wow. into rules. And I'm just like, oh, you should maybe like do do that. Like I'm just right. some guy who told you something. Like, uh, it's actually been much more the, uh, the opposite. I'm like, wow, we're just, people are just listening to us and, and like almost taking everything we say like for, for just actual legitimate like cited information. Which we we try to say things that we think are pretty accurate, you know. Mostly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's people. People seem really receptive, (laughs) and we've noticed for for years now, like very real, like very tangible kind of uh, impacts and results from from it.
2: And as a shout out to the industry too, like I every year at the at these events, and especially the World Aquatic Health Conference, um, which is a little less uh, straight health departments. It's just more about recreational water in general. Uh, which is really cool. But the World Aquatic Health Conference, for example, these are great events that any float center can come out to, and it switches locations every year. So, you know, even looking into some of these things, I I personally find them, even separate from all this influence and and getting to spread floating and make sure regulation is sane, you just learn so much. And you learn so much about how you don't really know what's going on. (laughs) Like, I mean, we've heard Mm -hmm. presentations from the people who are at the tops of their field in -hmm. something like, uv or talking about hydroxyl radicals and they're just disagreeing with each other or they just don't wow. have the research and they hit this point where they're like well i think this and someone else says i think the exact opposite and they're like well there's wow. no research to back up either of our stances so <laughs> encourage anyone in the industry to go to go check them out and and actually uh yeah make use of the different kind of educational yeah, conferences nice. that are cool. around on this stuff They're pretty amazing
1: it, it really has been i think the bulk of our of our education in, in this whole like world of sanitation okay. and regulations like most of what we know has come from going to these conferences, talking to people and watching watching their presentations. Okay,
0: cool. That's awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. And I can't help but think, like, should, should this be the FTA doing this? Should, shouldn't the FTA be representing? Sorry, I'm
1: just putting yeah, it out Yeah, I mean, there. it's a little, like, we've had the thought ourselves that it's it's a little strange that we're just... A private corporation <laughs> going out. Which is out some company, <laughs> right? Going yeah, right. into <laughs> the industry. And, um, and I don't know. There's, there's, I think, certainly a philosophical conversation to be had uh-huh. about, you know, who should be doing this and, and exactly what, maybe the messaging should have more of a review than just whatever Graham and I oh, was interesting. to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I guess we've kind of maybe pushed that aside a little bit just out of the sake of practicality. Right. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We're, it's just these things have been happening, and they invite us, and, totally. and we go, and like, you know. And there, it's not the cheapest thing in the world. We gotta like fly out and get hotels and stuff like that. So it's kind of a hard ask, even wow, of, no of an industry association. So it's
2: oh yeah, they don't pay for our, oh, I our tickets. So, I mean, they do for the events, but not for like travel or hotel or anything. Yeah, that's all out of pocket.
0: Wow. Um Okay. But, uh, wow, that's that's a very big ask.
2: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, again, it's just like it's it really is almost for the sake of just personal accountability you know it's it, it, like i said it's it's hard to get things done through an organization and and we've just felt like this is such important work that nice. i guess we've we've kind of just
1: embraced going rogue yeah, or something it, it <laughs> we just kind of quieted that part of our brains that has been like hey you, maybe you guys aren't shouldn't just be doing this all on your own but because i don't know it just seemed oh like that certainly was wasn't... better to have somebody there than nobody
0: That was not the angle i was going on uh for that no, mean, it's, but, but it's,
1: it's an the angle we think take. about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, like, cool. we've had these conversations ourselves
0: uh I think we can close close the book on that, and um, I just feel like like this is my chance to just ask all the questions I want to ask you guys, and just like I <laughs> I see you across the table, and it's like, what does Ashcon's voice sound like again? I don't even remember, um, but uh, it's um, Groupon is something that uh, Dan Larson posted in Float Collective um, up in I think it was up in Washington, just like everybody running Groupons, everybody slashing their prices. A float, uh, <laughs> float Shop does a um, hundred. Groupons, I think a month. Uh, And we've had that going for many, many, many years, um, which does mean that we also have like a really nice deal uh, that comes along with that as far as like, um, we're not getting gouged by Groupon. Um, But just so just full disclosure, as far as as far as we go. um, I think my question is, how does a collective of float centers pull themselves out of these giving deals out and sales constantly, like you can even decide as an individual, I'm going to stand up and try to do this, but how scary is that? Are is that actually going to put them out of business? Um, you know, how can a, again, a collective, uh, let's, let's just say the state of Washington help pull themselves out of that cycle.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm actually really glad you brought this one up yeah. specifically and and some of the stuff around the Groupon conversations too. Mm-hmm. Because I think we we need to be really careful when we're entering into things like this with people around us, uh, mm. for uh, just protected like price fixing reasons, right? Mm. Like there, there is a like one of the only things that you can't get together as businesses <laughs> when we meet up for our drinks and hang out and chat, right? Is is, is talking prices? about yeah, well, like and over <laughs> beers, we're like, and we should all just charge you know ninety dollars per float. Yeah, let's no all raise our prices. Yeah, it, right? it's Which, not a bad idea. But when you're talking about <laughs> <getting> easy, together, <laughs> right? So so if float centers in Seattle were to gather together and talk about how they're all going to get off Groupon, mm. is that not just sitting around talking about how you're all going to raise your prices?
0: I'd be I don't surprised know, I'm, I'm, if that stood up in court, but, but I, I hear what you're saying. That's, I'm not a that's lawyer. A, yeah. So I,
2: I, do I think thought that you were, some... oh,
0: interesting.
2: I got to re- <laughs> yeah, re-record yeah, your yeah, bio. Yeah. I'm barely even a podcast host. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, but it is something that I do wish people would enter into with some, some consideration of making sure that they're protected, even if it's to talk to a lawyer before mm. going into mm-hmm. conversations with other centers about what they should charge for their services. I, I just think it's dangerous ground to tread. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my disclaimer. Outside of that, yeah. Uh, Outside of that, I, I think that, it's a sign more of declining attendance in float centers. And Mm -hmm. and when your attendance is down, your brain just goes to how can I get, bodies in the tank, Mm -hmm. right? You're not trying to say, hey, I'm I'm consciously trying to mess up the industry, or hey, I'm at eighty percent capacity. Let's just run some group ons for the heck of it, you Mm -hmm. know? Like it's one of those things where it's it's maybe not a last ditch effort, but it is an effort to fill up what can be an empty schedule and Mm -hmm. I mean I understand that that feeling and I've definitely encouraged people who we do consulting with as as maybe you have too to like suck up their pride and run a group on when you need to and when you need quick bodies (laughs) and you can do longer term campaigns but as far as just Mm -hmm. not needing to spend much of your own time on it getting people in there even generating a little bit of revenue when it happens Mm -hmm. that can be for some centers a lifesaver and like the difference between personally losing money during a summer or being able to at least you know, break even on their own bank account. Uh, you know, right. not their even their business bank account. So, I totally get the mm-hmm. impetus. Um, I personally think that there's times when when Groupon is great to run. For instance, when you open, I, I think Groupon is a great thing to run when you open. Um, and then outside of that, we have so we started running a lot of Groupons, and we haven't run one in like four or five years or something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah, and, and the, the how it was was very different when we started. So obviously, mm-hmm. we also are very... If, if you listen to our podcast, then you know that we're very anti-discount yes. in general. We really try to run discounts as little as possible. So in that sense, I do think they're spot on. Like, I think that the discount model and continuous discounts really trains customers to want to pay less, to mm-hmm. wait for that next time when they can pay less. And I think there's mm-hmm. a huge danger in that, not just within a single center, but across a city and, and even across an industry to some degree. So long-winded answers, but... <laughs> That's what you get with us.
0: Uh, so, if do you, do you think an individual float center can pull themselves out of that with everybody else doing Groupon around them?
1: Yeah, I, for I sure. Definitely think so. I mean, I, I yeah, I think there's there's just more to people deciding where they want to float than specifically getting the absolute cheapest thing that is available <laughs> to them, you know? Like, yeah. I think there's definitely people out there who just prefer not to, like, drive to the other side of town and even if it will save them $15. Uh, and so, and, you know, there's other stuff you can do where you build your community and you do these, like, you know, various programs and, you know, you, you do the other, like, uh, more, like, foundational marketing, the marketing that, like, takes a long yeah. time to really really start to pay back, but lasts a long time and and sets up and continues paying back, you know, as you like invest more and more into that and you build that strong foundation for your business, that's how you can kind of wean yourself off of, of those, those sporadic kind of deals like Groupon, even, even despite the fact I think of other, other centers around you doing it.
2: Yeah. And I, I always like to encourage people to consider the idea of giving away free floats as well over, um, even running an internal discount or something, Mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for a Groupon. Uh, just because, I mean, we see it, we we just ran our, our kind of big summer deal, and so our schedule is, is all fleshed out now over the last week, which hasn't been um, the case. As, as the, the weather's getting nicer, I'm sure that you see that every single time in Portland yep. too. Yeah. But despite our tanks being full, you know, we were looking at our schedule on the helm and it was just all dark blue, which means that everyone's already um, prepaid for their floats. Nice. Uh, So which means we're not getting any any money coming in from those floats. And our days have still been good. (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah. So that day we shouldn't expect anyone coming in to float to actually be paying us cash because they've already paid Mm -hmm. for our our deal. Uh, But just when your tanks are full, people are talking about floating like there is no better word of mouth than just having a full schedule. And guaranteed mm. that every single time our schedule is full of free floats, or in this case, people who just paid ahead of time, our days are still strong because they leave, they go and talk to someone else, that person buys a membership or books a float in the future. So, uh, you know, again, as opposed to discounts or Groupon, I always encourage people, find a cool group of people, try to give away as many floats as you can to the influencers, to uh, people who might benefit mm. from it. And, and oftentimes that comes around right uh, almost immediately in, in mm-hmm. terms of paid floats, which, again, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the, the exact same thing over there, too.
0: Yeah. One of the things that we do is with businesses, Uh, just honestly, just businesses we're fond of bouldering centers, (laughs) you know, and then all of a sudden the pro climber is coming in because that float, uh, excuse me, not that float center. Uh, that bouldering gym is stoked on floating and um and then they're you know tweeting or instagramming about it and so yeah it, it is kind of remarkable how quickly that loop that feedback loop starts feeding into itself and yeah um while i feel like i'm interviewing you guys it's to make it more conversational like my god i agree with you like it it is scary Um, to not just have the flash sales all the time of like oh my god we're we're low on money this is something sandra and i felt many times within the first few years of opening was just like yeah oh god we have to pay rent like we need to make some money stat um but being able to like okay we have a plan here we're we're building foundational roots foundation like you described is really important so that it's this long-term uh uh, funds that are coming in that you don't have to have these scary moments of oh my god we just need to sell and and pay rent or our electrical bill or or whatever it is um,
1: yeah and it, it it does just take time I mean it it, mm-hmm. it like we were running Groupons for for two or three years we probably ran like oh, <laughs> six six of them I think yeah, or, you could almost call them emergency construction Groupons yeah like uh, they, something else <laughs> was destroyed by salt and we're like right? well, we need
2: money right it. now yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so you know it, and it took time to get out of that out of that place where we're just mm. like, oh boy, like this is just a, a thing that we have to do like right now because we need this influx of cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if you're in your first couple of years of business, I think it's just that uh, you're just doing a little bit more to to get by day to day than you are right. after like some years.
0: Kind of get that rhythm going. Yeah. Um, and, and I do think that, like you said, you're kind of training people on looking for a discount. Um, those oftentimes people buying Groupons are just – going to look at Groupon. They're only going to float when there's a Groupon out there. And now I can select anyone in Portland or uh, up in Washington, what have you, uh, as opposed to I'm going to attract a client that is going to be slower to bring into my float center. But this is going to be a long term customer. This is going to be somebody who's willing to pay for a membership or for full price whenever they want to come in, as opposed to just somebody who wants to come in with a deal. With that being said, obviously, like I said, we do 100 a month, so there, we do see some benefit to it, both financial and we have ways to bring people into the loop of, of paying for membership as well. <clears throat> but uh, just to give my perspective on that as well.: mean and Yeah,
1: Ours is very much a philosophy. Like we, we always try to keep in mind that we want our memberships to basically be like the best deal people can get. Like if there's mm-hmm. something we're trying to do to incentivize people with price, it's to float regularly. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of always in the back of our mind when we think yes. about deals and stuff like that. We're always thinking about our memberships and yes. we always want our membership to be like the first answer towards towards getting a cheaper price on something.
0: That is always our metric as well. Like nothing can go below this point here. The the membership right. always has yeah, yeah. to be the best deal.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh let us see here. Beyond that, um you you brought up the decline of people floating. Is that do you feel like that's what's happening in general, are fewer people floating?
2: Oh and I, I should say I just meant that like some centers are just not at full capacity. Okay. You know, I mean it ha- it happens in in every industry. Not that there is a, a systemic desi- uh, decline in floating. Like we sh- we certainly haven't seen that at float on. Even with more and more centers opening up in town and theoretically more tanks um yeah, our, our schedule
0: is is kind of maintaining the same levels that it's been at. So yeah. Um so speaking of which, so like uh Enzo Flow uh, opened up near us. Sengha yeah. and I got got a little nervous beforehand, like, oh my god. We were like, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. We we have our good customer base, they like us, you know, we we've got our demographic. We tried convincing ourselves, but like secretly we were nervous.
1: Sure. And yeah.
0: I think it might have had some minor impact initially. At this point, it feels like it zero impact, just more people floating. Um he's seems to be going for a completely different demographic, or or it just seems to balance out. Uh, we've got Dana who'll be opening up soon. Uh, we ha- So we have all these different float centers in Portland. I feel like everybody can be successful. Is there, li- is there a limit to this? I mean, if we look at massage, there could be a bajillion LMTs working and everybody can work. Is floating similar? Are there limits in a city? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I, I certainly, I mean, obviously at some point there's a limit, right? Mm. Like every business couldn't be a float center, but uh, where that limit is, I think, is is probably like a shifting metric over time. Like, mm-hmm. if, if anything, mm-hmm. I don't think we've experienced it too much, except for a couple of places. Like, I think Vancouver, British Columbia yeah, right? kind of did, right? Like, they just, they just went from having kind of one or two decent-sized centers there, and then all of a sudden, within, like, six months or a year, there was five, ten times as many float tanks, like, in an instant. And mm-hmm. so... I, and I I kind of have a feeling like you know not all those not all those made it, like a couple did close down for sure, yeah, and some
2: of them really well constructed, really beautiful too it was, yeah, actually really sad to have visited mm. those on float tour and now know that they're not there anymore. right. but like
1: if we were to wait two or three more years, would we be able to support that same number of float tanks that were there? like maybe you know maybe it's just it just takes that sort of time to kind of build up enough awareness to get more mm-hmm. and more people to know about it.
2: Right. Yeah. Maybe the, the biggest competitor is just lack of awareness. And that, yeah, talking about it being on a shifting metric, it's just that grows over time. And Portland has had the, the good fortune of kind of very slowly opening float centers, right? Like it's been right, right. Um, kind of like one at a time over many years. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, it was just you and us. I mean, you opened a year after we did, and then it, we were the only games in town for... For a while. So in that sense, I there's definitely a limit. And uh yeah, I I just think we're in the good fortune to be in a city where we've actually grown along with awareness and where I'm every new center that's opened up has actually been a kind of nice uh nice bump to that awareness, right? It, it's yes. almost yes. at least for us, we've seen every new center that opens, our business yes. gets a pickup and a boost rather than, right. than a detriment, which has been amazing.
1: And and I think what you said was was very on point too, that each each center like Enzo, for example, is a very different vibe than your place mm-hmm. does, and you have a very different vibe than our place does. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the really cool things about float tanks is yeah. that the float tanks make sense in our center, which is a very, like, non-spa-like. I mean, we have, like, bright yellow walls, oh, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not the most, like, soothing spa-like environment in the world. Uh, And then you have your place, which is this, like, cool, you know, wellness center with these other modalities, and then Enzo that's a little bit more, like, high-end and polished. Although they do
2: also have yellow walls, they pointed
1: out. Is that right? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Cutting into your demo. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's our main shtick. Right? Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's it's cool to me that float tanks, they make sense in all of those different contexts, and and we've straight up had someone just tell us, like, hey, you know, I just really like the kind of feel of Enzo more than your place, and so I'm going to go float there. Sure. And like, you know, that's that's cool. like I'm sure there's people who would come from even being closer to Enzo over to our place because they like yeah. the feel of our place more. And it, it's it's that's uh I, I think that's a certain aspect of it that's gonna allow us each to to pull the kind of people who who like to float with us.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh which actually brings up one little thing in my in my head here, which we haven't really done in a while, but I think is still totally open, which is that if somebody gives critical feedback to an about another float center. We just pick up the phone or shoot an email and let the other float center know, like, hey, they said something about air quality or what, whatever it might be, uh, temperature, something like that. I mean, customer service even. Like, we'll just let let the other float center know, like, hey, this is some feedback. And um, well, they might not tell us directly that they had a poor experience at our float center they'll go to float on and talk all the shit they want all day long. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: And little do they know that we're also very friendly and that they'll just let us know that that feedback and we need to do better about our temperature or whatever the heck it is. So um, if if I can just encourage in some way other float centers to have that relationship uh, and not take it personally or as an attack or oh, God, FloatOn thinks they're better than us because they're sending (laughs) us this negative? Like, no way. Like, give us. I wish every customer could let us know any negative experience they had so we can improve that. Um, So it's a nice little little way to have a back-channel intel.
1: Yeah, definitely. I
2: was going to say, that's actually how, uh, like, a way in which owning a float center has changed me fundamentally as a human being, even outside of my float center, is just now when I'm in businesses. I'm the kind of person who just doesn't want to cause waves, and I don't want to, like, hurt people's (laughs) feelings, but, like... I'm very vocal about my feedback now if I have a bad <laughs> experience somewhere. And it's just like, because I know they want to hear. So if there's float people out there listening to this, even uh, not, not center owners, give the centers you go to all the nitty-gritty feedback. You know, like let them know. They want to know that you heard that click coming from the heater in their tank right. in the middle of the float. Right. You know, they want to know all of it. So don't, don't be shy about feedback. And, and that extends to other businesses. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an abrasive person when I go into businesses now. I've turned into, <laughs> into a complainer. But that's a good thing. It's a good thing.
0: You know what? I had something that I just remembered was I was floating at your guys's place. It must have been nine or ten years ago, before you had expanded for sure. Was it? Were you guys were open nine or ten years ago? Right? Or am I going no, too far? We're back?
2: coming up on year eight.
1: Yeah. Is it
0: eight? Oh, funny. Okay. Um, nine or ten years ago. Anyway, <laughs> if someone uh, listens
1: to this episode in a couple of years, you'll be so down, yeah.
0: perfect. That's right. Um, I heard. I th- what I thought was a heater or something like that. I knew nothing about float tanks, but I heard something and I spoke to the person and he was so receptive about hearing what I had to say, even way back then. And I don't think it was either of you two. Um, but as it turned out, there was like a metal Smith or like a shoe repair man working oh, yeah, or yeah. Something like that, <laughs> uh, which I think you guys eventually consumed that space as, as he left. Um, but uh, I, I, was, I remember being impressed by how it was received, and I think I was even gifted a float or something like that. I was like, are you kidding me? I had a great float. <laughs> it was just this one thing I thought you should know, um, which, which I also was super uncomfortable about saying anything you know, <laughs> negative. And probably like internally, like, I don't know if they know I'm even thinking about opening a float center yet, like all this weird <laughs> stuff going on in my head. So um, just the ease at which uh, he was able to receive that was nice. <laughs> So thank that mystery person from. Yeah, I mean you know, I think 11, it's especially.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll send them an email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's especially important for a float center because it's people are just having these like private, isolated experiences yes. inside of a room, and like you know, you don't know what they're hearing. Their ears are like underwater, and you know it's just it's just mm-hmm. such a harder way for you yourself to tell if something's going well if there's issues.
2: It's why I've yeah. always tried to um, implement a policy at our shop of just having a staff member float along with the client for every float. Just sort of hop in there with the tank, and then they can do quality checks, make sure that everything's okay.
0: You know, I've... Uh, Mixed results. I wish so you can far, steal that yeah.
2: idea, too. If you're out there listening and you think that's a good idea, you can absolutely use it.
0: Brian has been pitching that for the Flow shop for so long, and we have not allowed that yet. That's so interesting. You guys have been... Okay, we'll have to share some data. That's interesting. Maybe it's acceptable. Uh, you know, so speaking of, like, um, this being mock us hanging out, <laughs> having beers and all of that, I wanted to tell you guys some news because, like, literally, like, there have been personal events in your guys' lives I haven't known about for years or just things change and I had no idea. Um, So I figured I would let you guys know and ipso facto our audience as well. Um, I try, try to stay away from too much personal stuff. Uh, on the show, but just to catch everybody up, it, you can't share it on social media yet, but Sandra is pregnant, and she is actually oh. 20 weeks pregnant, which Whoa. means uh, pretty far along <laughs> for layman's.
1: And oh, uh, man, so, it's super exciting. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations. That's thank awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, thank you. Uh, we'll we'll find out the gender here pretty soon, uh, but we don't know just yet, and she's due in early November, very similar to our first daughter erica so they'll be about two years apart from each other which is very close together and very intense <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, absolutely awesome and we're really excited about that so just figured we'd share that with you guys and, and with the float community we're so excited oh my god uh, we l- love being parents and so this is really exciting for us.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: That's rad. And I, I think it's so cool that um it that people are able to run mm-hmm. a small business and have children and that you've made that that work with you and Sandra for the float shop and, and still running the podcast. Like it's such a I'm sure it must yep. be an insane sleep deprived time for you. I haven't talked to my family
1: in eight years now. Like it's <laughs> and I'm the closest thing to a child <laughs> that Ashcon has, so <laughs> um, nice.
2: But you know, it's 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 really inspiring and it's awesome that you're able to to be so productive. And, and keep your business going and dedicate time to your family life, which I know that you do dedicate time to and is really right. important. And it's, yeah. it's a great lesson. You don't have to be um, so lost in your work that you don't have time for, for those other beautiful life moments. You know?
0: and, and I hope that is a sales pitch to people who do want to open a float center. Like, yeah, there's an insane amount of work, particularly within that first two to three years. I think we've all kind of covered some stuff about how shaky that can be within the first few years. But, like, I do live a really cool lifestyle, and I don't spend a lot of money traveling and all of that, but um, I am able to live this really cool, comfortable lifestyle where I'm able to do art of the float, and it takes up more time than you might think to be able to to do this every week, and it takes up Brian's time as, as well, but uh, and Amy's, but um, it allows for me to do that and also spend an incredible amount of time with my kid that most people who don't work a 9-to-5 or excuse me. Who do work a nine to five don't get to experience. Um, I'm with this this poor girl. Is <laughs> around mom and dad all the time, and uh, we're actually like, oh my god, we need to get her out of the house and socialized more because she's just getting so much attention from us. But honestly, I wouldn't have it any other Start way.
1: Cleaning tanks. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. That's right. <laughs> this is vinegar water, and this is uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up. I, it's really meaningful to me. It's amazing that this industry has been able to provide that for myself and my family to, to have that. Um, and kind of building off of that, the other, and it's not an announcement per se, but uh, we're also buying a house as well. So um, cool. I live in a condo and we w- really wanted a yard for the kids to run around in. So we're buying this dream house in west lynn or willamette um that uh will mean we have a yard beautiful house and i'll be able to have an actual podcasting booth instead of (laughs) hardwood floors and hard walls and everything like it can actually do some nice audio stuff with it um so uh yeah like it also has afforded us like some just some really cool um kind of emotional spiritual stuff for us to be able to have space in and and also like to be able to physically manifest these things like this this is because of this industry and uh, because of running the float shop so it's just really really cool so good uh good good to be part of this community (laughs) (laughs) um that's all i've got for you guys is there anything (laughs) you wanted to come on and drop some bombs on art of the float
2: (laughs) Oh, boy. Um,
0: um, hmm. uh, oh, all out of time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs>
2: no, this has been great. Yeah. Um, it's always awesome just catching up. And um, Yeah, agreed. Yeah, uh, great actually getting to kind of cross across our, our podcast. Actually, um, feel free to cut this part out in post. But if you have time for a couple questions uh, to be able to work in a couple uh, of our podcast episodes out of this, I would be totally down. They usually take about 10 minutes, bite sized.
0: Type questions only if I can be part of the intro, uh, and uh, we cut this from the episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's um, (laughs) yeah, that sounds awesome. Sounds great. Um, Before we go, I have a few thanks to give here. Uh, Thanks to everybody supporting us on Patreon. Thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to us. We are available for consulting at artofthefloat.com forward slash consulting. And thanks to Kim Hannon for taking our show notes. Thank you so much. Remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.